0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes. Innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland for innovators everywhere. Visit highland.com. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position by position analysis of the upcoming NFL draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Is the Eric Bieniemy system really going to make the Washington Commanders offensive line better just like that? That mailbag question and more answered on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to this Tuesday episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're on YouTube, please throw this episode a like so that it gets disseminated by YouTube to other Commanders fans just like yourself. And if you want to, you can continue this conversation with me on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. Of course, I'm your host, David Harrison, on Twitter at harrison 82 credential member of the media and beat reporter covering your Washington commanders for Commander Country, a part of Sports Illustrated's fan nation. I'm here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, everydayers, I give you a special thanks for showing up on a consistent basis like you do. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to discuss the remaining free agent market draft disparities on the offensive and defensive lines, and more on Coach Enemy's impact on that offensive line. And before that, I tell you that this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions will apply. Starting off today's conversation, this mailbag episode with a mailbag question from Keith, one of my subtexters, who asks, What is it about EB's system that causes people to say our O-line will play better under it? Well, Keith, as usual, that's a very good question. You ask a lot of good questions. Some of them I answer directly to you via text. Some of them I save for an episode just like this one. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to be a little bit anticlimactic for some people. It's really kind of hard at this point in time to really draw direct parallels from what we saw with the Kansas City Chiefs offense and what we're going to see with the Washington Commanders' offense. Not saying that there's not going to be some similarities, but really the biggest draw and the biggest attraction, I think, for, for assistant head coach and offense coordinator Eric Bieniemy, is the fact that he comes from a history, not just himself as a coordinator, himself as a positions coach, but also look at the head coaches that he's worked for they have a history, and the coordinators even that he's worked under before he became the office coordinator, they all have this kind of history of trying to put together a scheme that is best for the players and suits the players' talents talent bases the best. Now they didn't always work out when they became head coaches themselves, those coordinators, right? Matt Nagy went to Chicago, and I don't you know, to my in my opinion, didn't really flex all that much to his quarterback so much as he tried to ask his quarterbacks to become what he wanted them to be so you know that's a little bit different but looking at the systems that eric bianney is coming from and certainly andy reed coach reed has, has made his money making his quarterback whether it's alex smith patrick mahomes donovan McNabb, back in the day the best they can be by putting them in the best position to be successful so i think that more so than anything else, like before you even get to the X's and O's, and Eric Bianami talked about this himself in his introductory press conference about getting to know the guys, about building relationships, knowing who they are, what kind of player they are, and where they can thrive. I think that more than any type of schematic situation is really what has a lot of people kind of excited because we've seen coordinators come through Washington, not just recently, but even in the past, who are a little hard lined on this is the kind of player I want you to be, regardless of what position. You know, this is the running back you're going to be. This is the receiver you're going to be. Regardless of if it fits your skill set, you're going to turn your skills into what I want them to be. And I'll be honest with you, from my experience, more times than not, that doesn't really work uh, unless you just happen to get the perfect players for your system. So going back to Eric Biennemi's introductory press conference, he was asked, of course, what his offense is going to look like. What is Eric Biennemi going to be and do with the Washington Commanders? Uh, And specifically, I asked him actually about how he's going to impact the running game. And of course, the offensive line is tied directly to the running game. And here was his answer that wasn't so much specific to the running game itself, but really kind of gave us a glimpse of what Eric B mindset is entering his first season with the Washington Commanders. He said, quote, we're going to do whatever the hell it takes to win. That's all that matters. And one thing you guys are going to hear me talk about, I'm not a numbers guy. I can care less what a runner rushes for. I can care less what a quarterback throws for. I can care less about whatever, what stats a receiver or a tight end may have receiving. The only thing that matters is did we win or did we lose? So we're going to play complimentary football. We're going to do whatever the hell it takes for us to be victorious. That's all that matters. And if we're doing it the right way, guess what? The numbers will take care of itself. End quote. And I think that's perfect. I think that's the exact perfect mentality we've talked about here before every day as you've heard me talk about Coach Randy Jordan, the running backs coach for the Washington Commanders. And that's his mentality in his room that he's adopted or adapted or adopted to his running backs. And the running backs have adapted or adopted uh, that attitude as well. Is it doesn't matter if Brian Robinson has 150 yards rushing and Antonio Gibson has 20 and Antonio Gibson has two touchdowns and Brian Robinson has none. They're all happy as long as the team comes out with the win. And that's what you want from your team. So that's what you have from your offensive coordinator. So. Outside of fantasy, right? From a fantasy perspective, that's kind of nerve-wracking, right? Because maybe Terry gets two targets this week. Maybe he gets 10 this week. Whatever the defense is giving them, that's what they're going to take. That is the Eric B. enemy scheme. So as it pertains to the offensive line, if we're making every position play smarter, if we're making every position play within their skill set better, then ideally the offensive line is going to get better as well, right? Andrew Wiley, the right tackle, coming over to the Washington Commanders from the Kansas City Chiefs this offseason, Via free agency, to me was then and still is today a very big sign that Eric Bieniemy has respect from his players. Right now, Andrew Wiley could have maybe stayed in Kansas City. I don't know what the negotiation process was there for him and the Chiefs. Probably could have gone somewhere else. This is a multiple-time Super Bowl winner. Would have gotten a contract with someone else, but E.B. wanted him here. Andrew Wiley wanted to play for Eric Bieniemy. Again, in his pre- introductory introductory press conference, Andrew Wiley actually said how important it was that Eric Bieniemy went to bat for him and really wanted to bring him to Washington. So there's a purpose behind everything Eric Bieniemy does. His wanting Andrew Wiley here is important. Andrew Wiley wanting to be here is important. And Andrew said, quote, this offense scores a lot of points, end quote, in his introductory press conference. That's what Andrew Wiley is looking to do. That's what Eric Bieniemy is looking to do. And obviously, as Commanders fans, you're going to be incredibly excited. If that's what you see on the football field. But it also signified that EB wanted to keep some or all of his offensive line philosophies in place that he had at Kansas City. If he's going to completely change his offensive line philosophies, then he's going to completely change his offensive line. But the fact that he's bringing in his veteran Super Bowl starter, a right tackle from Kansas City to be the right tackle here, shows you that at least to a certain degree, you can expect a little bit of what you saw in Kansas City here in Washington. And what that's going to produce is better than what we've seen in Washington in recent years. So I looked at that. I compared Kansas City's offensive line play versus Washington's offensive line play, and we're going to pick up, obviously, with the running game because that's where you really kind of see the the, the offensive line really kind of show its biggest growth if you're going to see that. And I looked at the 2022 adjusted line yards data from Football Outsiders. Uh, If you're not familiar with Football Outsiders, definitely check it out. They've got a lot of good information there. But last year, Kansas City Chiefs, their adjusted line yards Uh, were 4.82 yards. That ranked third in the National Football League. Washington's was 4.29 yards, ranked 23rd in the National Football League. So a 20-team difference between the two. Now, adjusted line yards, according to Football Outsider, takes contextual data and assigns value to the offensive line's contributions to the running game before the running back truly takes over, before there's open space, before there's a seam to hit, all these things. So the higher the adjusted line yards, the more impactful the offensive line was. In that team's running game. Now in 2022, we already went over the differences, right? In 2021, Kansas City ranked eighth in the NFL. Washington was 19th. In 2020, Kansas City was 14th. Washington was 16th. So a little bit of a close tie back in 2020. But you see year-to-year improvement from Kansas City, while Washington has actually been going backwards. Now with Washington, some of that, especially in 2022 can certainly be attributed to injuries uh, and having to constantly reshuffle your line to create different groups. And that obviously impacts consistency and that can't be coached. You can't coach health, right? But with Kansas City, it's important to also look at the fact that they also had some widespread rotations in their offensive line over the years, yet they continue to get better. In fact, when you look at their 2020 Super Bowl team, uh, the team that lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but made it to the Super Bowl, the only offensive lineman that started that Super Bowl and started last year's Super Bowl, the one that they won, Andrew Wiley, he is the only one remaining. That, to me, is very, very important. It is, is it reasonable to expect the number three adjusted line yards offensive line out of the commander's offensive line the first year under EB? No, that's not reasonable. But is it reasonable to expect an improvement and maybe even a larger than usual improvement because of the presence of Andrew Wiley to help his teammates get on board a little bit faster? Yeah, I think it's reasonable to expect improvement and then a possible large improvement. You can see this team go from 23rd, I think 23rd to, say, 18th. 16th is reasonable expectation of improvement. A little bit extra, maybe top 15. That's that's definitely more than I think you should expect. But could it happen because of the power curve or the learning curve adjustment by adding Andrew Wiley? I think it's certainly within the realm of possibility. So I think that's really why you're looking at this, right? Of course, it's also important uh, to, to look at the quarterback situation, right? And quarterbacks certainly have an impact on the offensive line. Smart quarterback play helps the offensive line. How many times in recent memory do you have as a Commanders fan yelling at the TV or in stadium, yelling at the f- at the field, telling a quarterback to get rid of the ball or to run with the ball right before a strip sack or a sack happens? Those kinds of things certainly impact offensive line ratings. So that's something that Eric Bieniemy is talking about playing fast, playing with urgency, playing smart. That is something that he's putting on Sam Howell's shoulders that will impact the offensive line. And then, of course, the coaching of the offensive line, the mentality, the system, the scheme that the running backs are running behind. Certainly should have an impact. Again, health is really the only thing we're talking about here that you can't coach. So outside of health issues, uh, that I believe is why so many people, Keith, are excited about what could happen with the offensive line. Not talking about a top five unit here, guys, but improved top 18, I think is certainly very well reasonable. Top 15, certainly something that could be within reach. If that happens, the Washington commanders could have a lot of early success going on this season got a great first question there but we're moving on to another question what we're saying in the trenches this one though is involving nfl draft investments so we're going from coaching to the draft that's next on today's episode of locked on commanders part of the locked on podcast network your team every day and we're having this discussion thanks to our friends over at bird dogs who make you look so good with stretched khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg giving you a truly Sculpted look. They achieve this by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but it stretches, so you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice the movement. Plus, Bird Dogs uses anti-stink, sweat-wicking fabric that helps keep you clean, cool, and dry all day long. Uh, I've been wearing Bird Dogs all weekend into the early part of the week. I love them; they fit great, Uh, and of course, I'm truly grateful for my free tumbler that I got with my shipment of Bird Dogs most recently. If you want the Bird Dog fit, if you want this tumbler, which I highly, highly recommend, then go to BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNFL and order your bird dogs, and you'll get the tumbler for free. Again, that's BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNFL to get your free Yeti style Tumblr with your order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off and you're going to want to take your bird dog tumbler everywhere you go. That's we promise you. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Continuing on with today's episode of Lock talk commander Thanks again for being a Lock talk Commander's your first listen or view today and every day. Every day is again greatly appreciate you coming through. Make sure you come back tomorrow. We will talk even more. I've actually got a question from the mailbag that I'm actually going to bleed into tomorrow's episode. Uh, and I feel like I haven't completely fleshed it out, but I feel like we're gonna get a full episode out of that one question. So uh good stuff coming from Commanders fans as always. Of course, if you want to send in a question for a future episode. Uh, drop that into the YouTube comments, email them to commanders at gmail.com or hit me up on subtext via jointsubtextcom slash lockedoncommanders. Bill asked or said and asked the entire defensive front is made up of first round picks. The entire offensive line is made up of picks scavenged from the later rounds or picked up when another team let them go. Does this indicate that the coaches or front office feels that they can just coach up an offensive line to create starters or that offensive linemen have less? Value Now, it's a really good question. It's a really interesting question because it pertains, ideally, like for, right up front, it deals with football philosophy, which while some of us, and I'm talking fans, media, like everybody, we will convince ourselves that uh, our belief is the way to see football and the way that you should see football. Uh, the bottom line is there's no one way to evaluate a football team. There's no one way to say this is how team building should work uh here's where the value is and all these other things right so if you're sitting here pounding the table saying you should draft a left tackle in the first round all the time you could be right and you could draft a left tackle in the first round winning super bowl or you could draft a right tackle in the first round like the tampa Bay Buccaneers did a few years ago winning super bowl with tristan worse of course they also had tom brady now so from a philosophical philosophical standpoint i will tell you that i view the commander's roster and I, i think the discrepancy between first round capital Uh, committed to the defensive front versus first-round capital committed to the offensive front is lopsided, and I don't personally like it. I I wouldn't go necessarily that route, but I wanted to take a look at at this a little bit deeper and look at some historical numbers and look at some data, uh, and here is what I found. I went back five Super Bowls. I wanted to go back ten, but I thought five, just because the way the game is shifting, the way rules are changing on a a year-to-year basis. I wanted to stay within the five-year window. Uh, And so, obviously, in the last five Super Bowls, On winning teams, you've had 25 starting offensive linemen, and you have had 18 starting defensive linemen. So of the 25 starting offensive linemen for Super Bowl winners in the last five years, and of course this includes the Kansas City Chiefs from this past season, two of them, two of the 25 have been first-rounders. That's 8%. That's an 8% share total of starting offensive linemen who have been first-round picks for Super Bowl winning teams. Uh the second round has the highest percentage 8 of the 25 Super Bowl winning offensive linemen from the last 5 years again these are starters uh our second round picks is 32% 3 of them were 3 uh were third round picks that's 12% 2 of them were fourth round picks that's 8% uh 2 of them were fifth round picks again that's 8% 3 of them were sixth round picks that's 12% Two of them were seventh round picks, that's eight percent. And three of them were undrafted free agents. That's also 12%. So the the top, the top round getter, right, for for draft picks for offensive line draft picks for Super Bowl winners in the last five years, clearly the second round. Eight of the 25 came in the second round. That's 32%. But then you've got three rounds that are tied for 12%. That's the third round, the sixth round, and undrafted. So nine percent. Uh, or I'm sorry, 36% of your Super Bowl winning starting offensive linemen from the last five years have come in the third round or later. 12% of them have come outside the NFL draft completely, undrafted free agents that started again. These are starters for Super Bowl winning teams. The last first round tackle uh, selected currently to win a Super Bowl and start a Super Bowl uh, was Tristan Wirfs of the TFB Buccaneers. That's why I brought his name up. Um, 44% of the winning starting offensive linemen in the last five Super Bowls have come from day two. So really, it looks like day two is where you want to go uh, to get your starting Super Bowl offensive lineman, right? Um, so again, that's not poverty level, right? But you have a really even, pretty even spread of starting caliber offensive linemen who won Super Bowls for their teams. Uh, coming from throughout the NFL draft. Uh, So I think that's pretty interesting. So then you flip over to the defensive line uh, side of things, and 18 starting defensive linemen, so there's a fewer number of players to talk about anyway. Um, But right off the bat, five of those 18 who, again, started for Super Bowl winning teams in the Super Bowl, five of those 18 players were first-round draft picks. That's 27%. Um, The last first-round pick to start for a Super Bowl winning team Just happened this year. George Karloff, his first round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs of 2022. He's a Super Bowl champion now. He's one of those five. Uh, The second round has the second most, or has the most, sorry. The second round has the most, once again. So both populations, the second round is actually where you're getting most of your Super Bowl starters for winning teams. They had six, uh, 33% of those uh, players, of of those 18% or 18 players, 33% of the 18 players that we're talking about here came in the second round. Two of them came in the third round, that's 11%. Four came in the fourth round, that's 22%. None in the fifth, none in the sixth, no undrafted free agents in the last five years have been starting defensive linemen for a winning Super Bowl team. One seventh rounder, and that was five years ago. Lawrence Guy, who was actually drafted by the Packers in the seventh round, but then eventually started and won a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots, representing 5% of the 18 defensive linemen who have started and won Super Bowls in the last five years. So, a, a, a much bigger discrepancy, right? So, in total, 61% of your starting defensive linemen on winning Super Bowl teams came in the first two rounds. So, I think is so. So, the question here, right, is is that really indicative of higher drafted defensive linemen are the key to winning Super Bowl competing teams? Or is that indicative of the NFL as a whole valuing defensive linemen more? And then the third question is, does it matter? Right. I think so. I think what these numbers show you is whether it's because of a bias, whether it's a bias that's rooted in truth or not, the bottom line is the NFL today is certainly valuing defensive linemen over offensive linemen and believing that they can build Super Bowl caliber offensive lines without spending top draft capital. And uh, the, the numbers prove that you can. You know what I mean? Again, you've got this spread. Uh, I mean, the, in just the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and undrafted. You've got two, four, uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 offensive linemen from the fourth round on, and you've got five. So 12 to five from the fourth round on for Super Bowl winning starters. So, uh, you know, uh, is that definitive? I don't know if anything can truly be definitive. I still stand by what I said. I think the, the draft capital uh, being lopsided is not the way I would personally go, but I think it's a good snapshot uh, of what you're talking about. So, Uh, That's interesting. So a lot of trench talk here in this mailbag. Ben also followed up. But do you think the offensive line will be a big issue this year? Here's what I'll say, Ben, judging from just what we talked about and also the first segment, coaching matters, right? So, uh, you know, Travell Wharton becoming the offensive line coach. He's gotten a lot of experience, went to the senior bowl. Juan Castillo is moving over from tight end coach to also be an offensive line coach. I think that's incredibly important. He's got a wealth of knowledge. Andrew Wiley coming over uh, as a a player, but he'll also be kind of a coach in the the meeting rooms. Um, So I think coaching matters. So because of that, like from a coach standpoint alone, I'm not really worried. But there is a learning curve, right? How quickly will these players move through that learning curve? I can't tell you that. I can't even tell you that from watching OTAs and minicamp. As we get through training camp and preseason, we'll kind of be able to put our finger on it. But as of right now, I can't tell you how steep that learning curve is going to be. That is a huge unknown. Uh, and then again, smart quarterback play, right? Quarterback coach Tavita Pritchard was brought in from Stanford, and he's had a great track record. 2021 freshman Tanner McKee led Uh, Stanford in upsets over USC and Oregon, and he missed two games in his freshman year, but still set a freshman touchdown record with 19 of them despite missing those two games. Uh, But he was also the third Stanford freshman ever to throw over 2,000 yards or more in the season. Andrew Luck and Chad Hutchinson were the other two. In 2020, Davis Mills completed over 66% of his passes for Tevita Pritchard, had four straight wins to end that 2020 season, and Mills threw for 301.6 passing yards per game. In 2020, which was the second best in the entire Pac-12 that season in 2019, Tavita Pritchard had to start three different quarterbacks. The first time the Sanford had to do that since the 70s, and they still threw for over 3,000 passing yards. So you've got a very smart quarterback coach, a very smart offensive coordinator. If you get a smart quarterback, smart offensive line, certainly you could see some really good production out of this offense this year. And, of course, run the ball. you got a running back as an offensive coach or a coordinator, right, former running back, and you got two really good running backs, maybe more. Speaking of free agents, we're going to talk about free agents. How much can the commanders spend and should they spend it? I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you that next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. And I'll tell you that thanks to our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, hiring a new person can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And you're going to want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for the team faster and for free. And it's so easy to post. Anybody can do it. Once you get your job posted, throw a purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. They've got simple tools that will help you itemize and finalize and prioritize your list of candidates and who you want to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Final question on this mailbag episode of Lockdown Commanders comes from Ants, who asks if there's enough money to sign more free agents. Well, the Commanders currently have $11.57 million available in salary cap space this season, according to Over the Cap. Uh, after the eventual release of Andrew Norwell, which is expected to come once he's healthy enough to be released, you can add $2.2 million uh, to that total, giving you about $13.79 million. Give or take, uh, and as of right now, at the time of this recording, both defensive backs Emmanuel Forbes and Quan Martin are still unsigned from Washington's NFL draft class. Meaning, once they are signed, you're going to take off another about 4.2 million dollars off that cap number. So you are left left with about nine and a half million dollars in cap space once all of this stuff is said and done. Now, with that, you could certainly see this team go after another free agent, right? So the first one that comes to mind is obviously. Running back Kareem Hunt, because there's already been rumors that they've had some preliminary talks and and all this other stuff. Now, Track estimates Kareem Hunt's value to be about $7 million per year. Uh, He's not going to get that, though. But if Washington caved, they could afford it. You know what I mean? Um, Now, uh, I wrote about this for Washington for Commander Country on uh, Sports Illustrated's Foundation. Players with Hunt's name recognition, same thing with DeAndre Hopkins, Ezekiel Elliott, guys like this, Dalvin Cook. Uh, They're not signed right now, typically because they want more money than they're being offered. Now, eventually, if they want to play ball and if they want to be paid at all, they're going to have to bite the bullet and take what they can get. Right. So obviously, that's a player to watch. But there's some other free agents that the commanders could potentially afford. Linebacker is also always a popular topic of conversation. Right. Rashawn Evans, uh, someone that I talked about uh, earlier in the offseason, every day you'll remember that. Still a free agent as of right now, estimated to be worth $4.5 million. Certainly the commanders could afford that if they wanted to go there or if they got him for even less at this stage in the offseason. Uh, Zach Cunningham, Deion Jones, Miles Jack, all linebackers that are also still available that could cost just as much or less uh, than Rashawn Evans, although I would go Rashawn Evans. I don't know where else Washington might turn, but uh, you know, if there's an injury, knock on wood, there's not, but if there's an injury early in camp, there's some other names that are kind of available. Defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, is still out there spot track has his value of 14.8 million if he was worth 14.8 million he'd already be signed he's not he's not going to get that at this stage or even into training camp he's not getting anywhere near that money so that you know could be something you know hopefully they don't need it uh right tackle george fant 3.3 million is his valuation free safety lamarcus joiner uh 4.1 million dollar valuation so yeah certainly the commanders could afford another free agent or two, you know, if they really wanted to. But another thing to consider is that teams can roll over cap space, uh, and this year from from one year to the next. So if Ron Rivera keeps that ten million dollar in reserve, he can essentially tell new ownership, "Hey, look, I'm going to bring you your next your your first draft class for free." Because typically teams reserve about ten million dollars for the draft class. It usually comes in somewhere between like seven and nine million total. But you want to keep about ten million dollars uh, set aside for draft. And then if you come out with a profit, that's that's even better. Uh, currently, Washington is projected to have about $82 million in 2024 cap space. So if you can get that number above $90 million, uh and tell your new you know new owners, look, we've got over $90 million. Even after we re-sign Montez Sweater, Chase Young, even after we re-sign Cameron Curl, we're going to be in really good cap situation uh, coming in for your first full season as owners of the team. I think that's a pretty good... Uh, dose of news to sell to your uh, your new ownership. So whether it's a new player, whether it's rollover money or again, that $10 million, you know, look, if a guy gets hurt week 10, you got to go sign a guy off the street or, you know, bring someone up from the practice squad, add a new guy to the practice squad. You, you always want to have that cap flexibility if you need it uh, to have it. So the answer, yes, they could sign some free agents. Not sure they're going to, but certainly it is av- available And there are some interesting names out there uh, that the Washington Commanders could potentially look at given different circumstances. So as always, another great mailbag, guys. You guys bring the heat every week, and I appreciate it. If you have questions or comments that you want to add to the pool, throw them in the YouTube comments, hit me on Twitter, email them to lockedoncommanders at gmail.com, or hit me up directly via subtext. As always, I want to thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And every day, I want to thank you for coming through on a consistent basis, like you do. Remember, if you want to continue this conversation, just go to joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders, and I'll see you over there. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. And if you have anything else commanders related you want to know, make sure you're following me on Twitter at DHarrison82. Till we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.